Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Hey everyone, Lisa Tamati here. Welcome back to the show this week. Now, I have Dr. Elizabeth Yerth, orthopedic surgeon, uh, chief medical officer at the Boulder Longevity Institute, one of my teachers and mentors and uh, absolutely fantastic lady who has been on the show already twice before. Um, We share today, we talk about cancer and we also talk about your immune system and how to protect yourself uh, in these perilous times that we're living in. Um, So I hope you enjoy this episode with Dr. Elizabeth Huth. Um, and she is really one of the world leading experts in areas like peptides and longevity uh, and the immune system. So I hope you get a ton out of this. There was so much in this that I'm blown away. Now, I wanted to put you in the picture before we get to the interview. Um, I've been on another long journey with my mum who has just been diagnosed with uh, high grade, which means fast and aggressive, um, B-cell lymphoma, diffuse B-cell lymphoma. Now, this was after she just had uh, major brain surgery to remove a a tumour that was in the left parietal lobe. And so for the past few weeks, I have been deep in the quagmire of cancer research and putting together the best protocols and the best doctor team for my mum. And a part of that team is Dr. Elizabeth Hewitt. Now, mum has been under her for, uh, oh gosh, nearly a year now. Um, And now being hit with this diagnosis, um, I'm so super pleased to have her on board. I'm going to be doing a couple of different interviews um, around the theme of cancer for obvious reasons. I'm deep in the research and absolutely blown away by the things that we can actually do now. Again, it's not always mainstream it is thinking outside the box Um, so watch out for the next couple of episodes that are coming you know I think it's the stats are something like one in six of us is going to get cancer of some type in our lifetimes so this is something that we all need to be aware of and understanding and looking at uh, approaches besides the normal uh, chemotherapy radiation uh, sort of paths and surgical paths, which, you know, is definitely necessary. We've already been on the surgical one. Shout out to our neurosurgeons uh, down in Wellington Hospital, Mr. Andrew Parker and his team. Absolutely amazing doctors and surgeons saved mum's life. Uh, very, very grateful. There's actually been a huge team behind mum's success so far. We are, you know, in the middle of the quagmire still, but we have won the round one, if you like, the surgical battle to keep her alive and to uh, get her brain back to functioning full after she really deteriorated very, very fast. So I hope you enjoy this interview. That is the background story to it. And it is one of the reasons why I haven't been working for the last few weeks for obvious reasons. I'm just absolutely deep in research and uh, very excited to some of the guests I'm going to be able to share with you after doing so much research in the last few weeks. Um, It's amazing and what you can learn when you have to. Uh, right now, over to the show with Dr. Elizabeth Hewitt from the Boulder Longevity Institute. And I would really love any of you listeners to actually join her bli.academy.com. That's her teaching arm of her, of her practice. And it's really, really worth being involved in there. Uh, it's fantastic. I'd also like to remind you to check out what we do. We do epigenetic and DNA testing, health optimization coaching. Uh, and if you've got a cancer journey, you might want to come and talk to me as well. Um, 
certainly not qualified in anything, but I have a, uncovered a hell of a lot of research. I can point you in the right directions. And um, also, you know, doctors and books and things like that that you can refer to. So uh, check those out. Our epigenetic program is still our flagship program. We'd love you to check that out if you want to understand your genetics and how you can optimize your genetics uh, to optimize your health the best you can, understanding getting a user manual basically for your body so that you know what type of foods, what type of diets, what time of the day to eat, what uh, what mental activities will stimulate you, what social activities will stimulate you, what environment, physical um, exercise, what type of exercise to do for your particular body. That's our flagship program, our epigenetics program. Or if you want to do a deeper dive into your DNA, I also use the DNA company's uh, testing um, and build programs around that to help if you have things like hormonal health, want to understand your methylation, your detox pathways, and so on and so forth. So please do reach out to me if you've got any health questions. And of course, we also have runninghotcoaching.com. That's our run coaching arm of our business and we have a holistic run training system and I have a fantastic my coach who's been my coach for 15 years and my business partner Neil Wagstaff he's the brains behind what we do I actually did the running he he told me what to do um, and he is fantastic so if you want to help getting to uh, some special event that you want to tackle whether it's an ultra marathon or your first five kilometers or you're just getting off the couch and don't know where the hell to start uh, we've love to help you do that safely and holistically so check out runninghotcoaching.com now over to the show with dr elizabeth hughes well, hi, everyone. Welcome back to Pushing the Limits this week. I have Dr. Elizabeth Yerth, my favorite doc in the world. Welcome oh. back again. <laughs> Thanks Thank for coming you. on again, Dr. Elizabeth. You're just amazing. And um, before we dive in, I want to tell people I've been on this massive journey with my mum who's had a brain tumor, which has turned out to be lymphoma. We've had the brain tumor removed, everyone. And thank you very much to uh, everybody on her team who has been working it from the amazing neurosurgeon, Mr. Andrew Parker, right through to Dr. Elizabeth. Um, so we um, are going to do a, a bit of a combo episode today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about cancers, um, and we're also going to talk a little bit about immune system, and actually the two overlap quite considerably, don't they? Um, so mm -hmm. welcome to the show again. So wonderful to have Thank you back. Lisa. I always love, <laughs> you and I always love talking. We do. I just love talking. <laughs> hard thing is just you. to be, a, yeah, it's just, we usually end up talking for an hour beforehand. An hour yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, two, two yeah I know you've been, I mean, kudos to you that you're actually doing this. I know it's been a long, like, you know, Lisa and I, for those who don't you mean, um, I've, I've known Lisa's mom for a little while too. She, you know, kind of started with just kind of doing the anti-aging stuff. And then unfortunately we got de derailed by this, this diagnosis. Um, so that sort of started us down, down a, a little different path, but she's a super tough, very, you know, cool lady. And as you guys, if any of you who follow Lisa and follow her Instagram posts know how mean she is to her and... <laughs> Very mean. She, she, she moans a lot, especially when she was on the steroids. Oh my god! Um, funny, funny anecdote. They had her on dexamethasone, which is a steroid, as you know, um, in quite high doses, and her personality changed a hundred percent. It was hilarious because she, she got was, real irritable and you know just kind of bossy, <laughs> opinionated, and um, I'm like, welcome to my world, Mum. I've got that too every every single day of my life. So it was quite hilarious because she she's a very you know peaceful, very Right, exactly. Person. She's just yeah. 
So thank God she's off that now. Um, and she's she's um, doing everything she has to do. And we've been throwing the bus at it, haven't we, Doctor? We've been yeah, we, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're going to, we'll fight this thing. Just, yeah. another, just another, as I said, when Lisa said, well, you know, you basically brought her back from death one time. I said, this is, a, she's like nine lives. This is just the second one. So you still got seven more to go. It's fine. <laughs> I love it. And I love that attitude. And it's just book number. What are we up to? Exactly. Book number four. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's now become a series. It's a series. <laughs> How much like, it's, it's a little like Harry Potter. <laughs> it, is, it feels like that at times. Um, so let's do a bit of diving in. So in this journey um, that I've been on and then finding out mum had lymphoma, um, which is a, it's a B-cell lymphoma in this case, high grade, meaning it's aggressive. And so I've been diving into cancer research for obvious reasons. Um, and I've come across, I mean, you've been helping me do uh, finding out about Jane McClelland, who we're going to have on the show as well soon. Amazing lady who survived three terminal cancers, written a book called How to Starve Cancer, which isn't just about diet, but off-label drugs. Um, and that's been very powerful. And then I've also been studying Dr. Dom D'Agostino's work um, around ketosis and ketones and uh, inhibiting tumor growth and, and so on. Um, so what's you you use both of these approaches in, in mm-hmm. the stuff that you do. What is your take? What's What's really shocked me in the cancer journey is that everything that was healthy for us prior to cancer is actually not healthy when you've got it. Can you explain that to people? Because that's yeah, a I mean that's shift. exactly right. It's 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 very very hard because honestly, you kind of have to stop everything that's good in terms of regrowth and making our mitochondria all healthy and all that kind of stuff. You got to put all that dead end to that, you know, because we really want just to get rid of everything for a while. So, so it's the biggest problem, right? Is that we have to, you know, you're not going to build muscle while you have cancer. You're not going to, you know, that, that's, that's because everything that's sort of anabolic and growth and all that kind of stuff, we got to sort of slow all that down. Yeah. Now, you know, as a lot of you guys know, we do a little bit of that in our anti-aging realm, right? We do some of that where we want to go through these autophagy phases where we want to get rid of all the bad cells. Um, and then we want to regrow and we want to get rid of bad cells and regrow. So we always, we always want this getting rid of damaged cells. And what happens in cancer, though, is why we have this accumulation of damage. And so now we have to go really aggressively at getting rid of everything that's allowing cell growth. That's what I tell people. It's like, you know, it's, it's everything, you know, and and again, we balance that a little bit with our age, our aging stuff is that we always want to kind of take people into more of a, a, you know, a catabolic pathway or a breakdown, get rid of Mm -hmm. stuff. But, but we also want our muscles and all that good stuff. You can't really do both. And it's, it is the struggle sometimes with people is to say, okay, yeah, you've got to go exercise. You've got to go do this stuff, even though you don't feel like it, because that's going to help maintain glucose and everything. But but in general, we're going to block muscle growth. We're going to block everything that's kind of. Yeah. Everything that's beneficial prior to a cancer (laughs) diagnosis. Right. Right. And, you know, and, and, you know, cancer gets a little bit misinterpreted in that it's actually a mitochondrial disease. So, mm-hmm. so it, it happens at the mitochondrial level. They took, they took cancer cells and they took cancerous, they took the mitochondria out of a cancer cell. And when they took the mitochondria out of the cancer cell and they injected the cancer cell with a healthy mitochondria, it was no longer a cancer cell. But when they took that cancer mitochondria out and put it into a normal cell, that cell became a cancer cell. Mm. So we know it actually begins at the mitochondrial level. Sick. And because the cancer cell needs tons and tons of energy, right? It needs glucose and it needs oxyphosphorylation. It needs to make tons of ATP because it's growing at massive rates. 
it's reproducing, replicating, doing all this stuff. And so, you know, we got to shut all that down. And so you've got to work at that mitochondrial level, right? At the, the pathways that are making ATP at the mitochondrial level and, and, and starting to, to block all of those pathways that are allowing the cells to, to thrive and be healthy, right? Yeah. So, so we got to block all of that growth and we have to hit it from a lot of different pathways. Yeah. The tricky thing about cancer is that you know you you block one pathway it finds another mm-hmm. it's going to get energy the cancer cells are craving energy glucose is their biggest one right that's their biggest source which is why when you talk about Dom Diagostino, he you know he's, he's you've got to get people you know ketotic you have to because yeah, you've got to get rid of glucose right yep. um yes. but it is a mitochondrial disease so so when we look at diseases in general i'm kind of passionate about how much mitochondria play a role but this is definitely a mitochondrial disease and 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 when we talk about some ways to target it, that's why a lot of the approaches you're taking are working on the mitochondria. Yeah. So, um, you know, like prior to this diagnosis and prior to mum having problems, we were doing, you know, phases of growth stuff. Right. So, right. and then we were doing um, so times a week when we were on metformin and uh, other things to lower the glucose and lower the growth. Um, one one of the questions that popped up in my head is uh, after studying all Jay McClellan's work and looking at all the pathways, the glutamine pathways, the, the glucose pathways, and the fatty acids or the fatty pathways um, right. that feed tumor growth is the one around uh, nucleoside salvage and macropinocytosis. Um, uh-huh. The autophagy pathways basically aren't they? Um, right. Spermidine is something we've talked about in the past episodes and how wonderful spermidine is. One of the questions that I had in my head was, is spermidine bad in the case of cancer because of uh, autophagy? Like we do we I'm a bit confused on whether I'm wanting to upregulate autophagy or downregulate autophagy in those two pathways. Um, can you like that's a that's, well, a, that's tricky a tricky one, question. It? Yeah, <laughs> it's a very tricky question and and it, and it actually interestingly enough, appears to be a little different for different cancers. Uh-huh. Like we know actually spermidine appears to be very, very beneficial in colon cancer. Uh-huh. It actually has been shown to be super, super beneficial. Um, and then and there's been some other can- cancers like prostate where they actually found that blocking the polyamine pathways, that that may actually be be good in terms of getting, getting rid of the cancer cells. So I don't know that we're super clear on the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, in general... I think that you probably there's probably even a dose dependence to that too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because we know that probably very very high dose spermidine is going to have a very dramatic autophagy effect, and 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 again, and where spermidine works is at the mitochondrial level, which mm-hmm. is nice because so it's mitophagy, and we want to kill off those. those. But it's it, the question is at what dose is that, right? And if I don't get enough of that dose, am I potentially you know not you know, I'm just propagating some cells and, you know, getting rid of some. So I don't know that and that's and it's the hard thing with a lot of the stuff we do yeah. is the research may be still a little bit too early for us to say definitively. So I get that question a lot about spermidine. Mm. My general answer is I think that at high dose, it's probably very good, but I don't go there yet because I just don't know the answer. Yeah. I would say that probably I wouldn't use it in this, in this case until, you know, Again, until I have until more I'm, research, until I know, and we just don't, we just don't know, and we're hitting, you know, we're, we 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 need to hit those, we need to get rid of those those damaged mitochondria. So you know, using things like doxycycline, mm-hmm. right? So doxycycline may be a really nice way to be doing that because we know if you think about mitochondria as bacteria, which is what they are, 
Mm. Remember, they were they were their own little bacteria back. You know, they back invaded the us. Yeah, right. Yeah, they mm-hmm. started out as their own little bacteria. That's why they're so cool. They have their own RNAs. They you know their own DNAs, mitochondrial DNA. They're completely independent of us, and so they they basically allowed us to become aerobic organisms. They started they making energy oxygen. supply. Yep. But but so if you think about them as bacteria, you can see why doxycycline, which is an antibacterial agent, mm-hmm. works very well to get rid of these these mitochondria. These and damaged. so so those damaged mitochondria, right? So so they're taking up you know this doxycycline, and we're get, we're killing off some of these mitochondria. And if we think about this cancer again as this mitochondrial disease. That's probably the approach I think is is a really you know a good approach to think about in in, in these cancers to to attack the mitochondria, um, you know, blocking oxidative phosphorylation. But that's why I think doxycycline has some really really interesting benefits. We know it works on the mitochondrial level, and in fact, it actually really helps. Um, it, it 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 helps damage mitochondria um, to just. Go on a merry way, get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> Hypotosis. Um, so I think that that would maybe, you know, I probably would stick to those approaches that right now we have better answers to. Yeah. And, you know? and, and, yeah, but because spimidine is so good for, for, it's so good. Us. Right. And it may, and it may be cancer. well that actually like eight a day, like at a high dose, it, it makes sense to me because it does have a very, very, very good mitophagy properties at that mm-hmm. kind of dose. It does kill off my, mitochondria. Oh. Um, but, you know, but I, I just don't know the answer yeah, to what yeah, is the right dose for what person. <laughs> we need yeah, more yeah, yeah. And for this particular type of cancer and so on. Because it is yeah. with, with, with autophagy, when you're actually killing off broken and damaged cells, that's where it becomes this like nucleoside salvage pathway, isn't it? From what I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of trying to put the biochemistry together. But this is where right. you're actually recycling so those cancer cells can use the recycled proteins, broken proteins, and yeah, that exactly. becomes another fuel source for it. So, right. you've got so that's why you have, to, you have to, so then you have to use something to block that pathway, right? Yes. Yeah. And then you have to use like, um, Dipyridomol, you know, yeah, dipyridomol is going to block the nucleoside salvage pathways. And that's why, you know, when, when people talk about cancer and even our chemotherapeutic drugs, which are working, they tend to be working on one pathway. That's why mm. cancer is so, so hard because mm. you, you trick it away from one pathway, it finds another pathway. So, you know, and, and so exactly what you're talking about. It's like, oh, great, that I'm just going to use this. So it goes into this nucleoside salvage pathways and so you got to block that. Yeah, um, so and you have to is, work at it from a whole bunch of different realms. And this is where, yeah, this is like the multi. This is the same with the, with the journey that I was on with Mum with her rehabilitation of your brain. It wasn't a one thing fixed it. Yeah, it was right. it was attacking it on many things. And so you know, especially with Jane McClellan's work, she 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 had this lovely graph where she had you know the cancer in the middle, if you like. She called it her spot of bother, and I like that attitude. <laughs> uh, and then she's got arrows coming in, like you you you're, you're firing at this thing from a hundred right. different pathways. And um, in that mix is uh, you know blocking down the glucose. So she's been on a very strict diet for starters because I really didn't know what the hell to feed her. So I basically only fed her vegetables. That's all she got. No protein, basically, and no fat because I just didn't want to feed the damn thing until I've worked out what it is. And we're still waiting on a final detailed diagnosis. Um, and now I've in- introduced a little bit more protein because we are dealing with a, a lack of protein right. in here. Right. Um, but trying not to feed the thing but not starve the person. Yeah. And this is where these and, off-label and, drug combos come in, eh? Right. And that's what's, you know, that's what's kind of cool about like Jay McCullough's work is these are all drugs that, you know, or, or supplements that are well-known mm. approved safety, uh, safety, good safety, inexpensive, yep. readily available. 
that you can utilize that, you know, some you need a doctor's prescription for others are supplements that you can just use, but, you know, but they're, they're, they're drugs that, you know, any doctor is going to be like, Oh, I know what Mm -hmm. metformin is. I know what doxycycline is. And, and I'll, I'll caveat with, I, I always recommend doing these hand in hand with conventional approaches to cancer. Mm. I don't think you do this instead of the conventional approaches. I know those people who are like, oh, I'm going to treat this all naturally. I think, I think, you know, you have to be careful with, with chemotherapy drugs too, but that there's, there's, there's a uh, using a these synergy. things together in constant yeah. synergy between them. Right. And that mm-hmm. working and that's where it, it is funny. And I, you know, and I, I, I don't know how much you'll run into this with your oncologist, yeah. but they, they will just say, don't do anything yeah, else except what, what we're recommending. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't want you to be, and I get that all the time. I mean, yeah. where the docs are like, like, no, don't do any of that. You know, they don't a, know about that because they don't, because they don't know. Right. And so, you know, even though you can say, well, you'll, to ask them why i mean ask them why you know i have a actually a leukemia patient young leukemia patient she lives in israel um you know and she's she's young she's 32 and she has really aggressive myelogenous leukemia and you know so we put her on you know like jane's protocol and you know and we're doing diamonds and alpha one and literally her doctor said you know if we're going to do this therapy you need to be off of all this stuff you know so this is the you know Bloody problem, isn't it? Right. So, and, 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 you know, I was listening to Dom D'Agostino talking on a podcast and he was talking like, you know, we now have, um, you know, medical oncologists, we have radiation oncologists, uh, we have, uh, what was the other one that he said? And we, but we also need a metabolic oncologist. And this is yeah. the piece that's missing out of the standard model. So we need the standard model. But when they go and say, don't do intravenous vitamin C, don't do hyperbaric right. oxygen therapy, don't do ketosis, don't do any, when they don't know about that um again and i've you know i've experienced this um a number of times unfortunately in my life where again you know with mum's brain rehabilitation it was like no no, none of that's going to work well they were wrong they were dead wrong um (laughs) and so i have that natural skepticism or no put it this way want that input want your input want other people's input and then i make my decisions and you want data Apologies, too, right yeah right so so uh, you know i if somebody just tells me okay do this i, I want to see the evidence too yeah. but there's ample evidence to support these things you could look up you know metformin's mechanisms or ductus mechanisms you know um and you know or or the statin drugs and their mechanisms and why are, why do they work so you know so you need scientific evidence right and and so then i, I will arm my patients with okay well show them the scientific data and then, and then I said, you know, and if they can prove me wrong, I'm I'm fine. So the, mm-hmm. the oncologist then comes and goes, okay, yeah, but look at this study. This shows that what you're going to do with what I'm doing is going to be detrimental. Yeah. And I'll critically look at that study and I may change my mind, but I want them to prove it to me. And that's where I get really frustrated, right? Mm-hmm. Is why are doctors so incredibly closed-minded to read the scientific evidence and then either support or negate it. Mm. You know, I mean, we're living in a world where people can just say what they want to say. I mean, that's yeah. happened with a lot of things, as you know, right? Yeah. And and without scientific evidence to support it. And there's nothing I do that I've not researched up the yin yang about. Extensively. You know? Yeah. Um, and this know. is where we need their expertise because I don't know the drug interactions between some of the things that I'm doing and the, the specific right. chemo right. that I may be yeah, you yeah. Know, told to take or for mum. And so I'm, you know, I'm stuck in that position going, well, do I not do anything? And I just follow the standard route and, you know, um, 
But we need that expertise. general no, right? But yeah, it'd be yeah. nice if you had if you had the the you know, drug interaction the, the oncologists the, who are who are looking at this stuff and understand it and looking at metabolic cellular level things. Mm. But they just know their study protocols and that's what they're going to do. That's all they're going to do. And this yeah. has come from like 1924, I think it was Otto Warburg, who was a Nobel Prize laureate, right. who discovered the Warburg effect. And this really, you know, set the stage for us understanding the metabolism of, of of how cancer, and this is how PET scans work and why they can use it for diagnosis is because right. cancer sucks glucose like no tomorrow. It takes, I don't know, 20 times as amount of glucose that other cells do, and that's how they can pinpoint it in the body. But somewhere along the 40s, 50s, and 60s, it got derailed into it's a genetic, it's a genetic disease, and that's genetic it. Disease, right. And right. this has set us down decades of and there's a, you know, it's the chicken and egg. It's like that 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 um, mitochondria example that you gave before, where it it, it starts off in the mitochondria. Right, mitochondria. That's why we know it's not a genetic. It's not just a genetic disease. Your genetics, just like everything, can predispose us to things, but it's not a genetic disease because otherwise the mitochondria, which are independent of that and have their own DNA, would not be the thing that can churn the cancer cell, right? Because I'm not taking, the mitochondria's got different DNA. It's, you know, so 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 to, to blame it all on genetics, genetics are, are like like in everything. I mean, you study epigenetics. I mean, you yeah. know that, but but everything is has a, a secondary issue and, you know, and, and, it, and you're and right. Even, that got very derailed and very yeah. neglected to look at metabolism. And now it's um, coming about, about, around again, but unfortunately, in, again, in clinic, in clinical right. practice, it seems to still be 20, 20, 30 years behind, as in all areas of medicine that I've looked into. Um, yeah. And then they, you get the thing like they get a tumor biopsy, like they took a tumor, they took mother's tumor out. Um, they did, uh, you know, the heterogeneity, meaning that one part of the tumor will give genetic mutations in this direction, and then the other part of the tumor might give genetic mutations and completely different in other words there's no homo you know zygous or homo, yeah, yeah uh what do you call it you know that where it's one homogenous yeah like a, yeah like homogenous pattern it. yeah yeah and this yeah. means that it's actually started in the mitochondria in the metabolism and then caused genetic change it's not the other way around right is exactly what it appears to it, be and, yeah. and again, those studies are there that, you know, you take the mitochondria, uh, you know, if we could transplant all the mitochondria back you know, out of the cancer cell, you'd change it back into a normal cell. Yeah. So, you know, so why are the doctors not looking at that evidence is why, you know, why aren't we looking at this? This is a mitochondrial disorder. We need to treat the mitochondria, which is going to be metabolism because that's because where the been mitochondria right? That's what the mitochondria decades, is doing, right? You know? Decades up the wrong tree and they don't, nobody wants to. Right, they don't want, the nobody wants to change. Of right. yeah, <laughs> and no, there no, is an right. aspect of it you know yeah. there is certain things and you know um and so it's not to say that it's been a waste of time what they've studied and yeah. stuff but I mean, we've made we've made headways in cancer right we have yeah um you know so we're not going to deny that there's there's there has been progress in that realm um but you, if we put everything together we'd be a whole lot further down that path and, yeah. and even the realm of you know um you know, one of the questions is, do you ever, you know, we all probably always have cancer. It's just that mm. we're getting rid of the cells and, you know, and so the immune system ever, right. The immune system, you know, res responds appropriately to keep those cancer cells in check. Um, so it's when the immune system gets right. That's why cancer is a disease of aging more so, right? Because your immune system starts becoming dysfunctional as we age. So we can't 
we, we can no longer get rid of the you know we, the immune system surveillance is gone um you know it, it, so 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 a lot has to go wrong to get cancer and you, know, you, see, you see cancer young people but mostly it's a disease like all of our other diseases an age-related disease because the immune system becomes much more detrimental and when you look you know so so and that's why you know when our immune systems get taxed by something like a virus right that's why so many viruses or like Epstein Barr virus. Well, Epstein Barr virus it's is very linked. So, yeah. So Epstein Barr, right? Yeah, that's right. She had, she was yeah, she, um, CBV EBV. positive on that. Yeah. So we know EBV is very very linked to lymphoma. So we know that something about that virus triggers our immune system. You have a, a significantly, and you know, many many people get Epstein Barr, right? That's mono. You know, everybody gets mono, right? right? But right. but. It, but it can stick around latently. And and so we know there's a lot of viruses, cytomegalovirus, Epstein-Barr virus, COVID's probably going to end up doing this too, but a lot of viruses that have dysregulated the immune system. And now 30 years later, you actually end up with a cancer that's related to that. But yeah, that's right. Her lymphoma cells, you know, we're EBV. You know, yeah, that's, we're EBV. So, and, and it's worrisome because if you look at these, you know, how many people have EBV and we sort mm. of say, oh, well, she you know, mono, everybody well, gets mono. Yeah. yeah. But should we be more aggressively using antiviral agents? You know, you know one of my friends who does a lot of, you know, um, cellular medicine puts almost all of her patients initially on some antiviral agents, assuming that most of us have latent viruses that are that are wow. taxing our immune systems. Well, so is my one for always EBV? trying to keep Epstein-Barr in check, right? Yeah. You know. But is uh, there is there one actually for Epstein Barr virus? You know, like so in, there, in case of mum, is there an antiviral? So, so there are some antivirals that are probably beneficial in Epstein Barr. Even ivermectin, as it is for COVID, may be helpful yep. for Epstein Barr. Oh, so there wow. are some, and 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 there are some, you know, other um, other antiviral agents that you can utilize that have some crossover to Epstein Barr. Even some of the HIV drugs, interestingly enough, that oh. we're using actually in some of our COVID long haulers too, um, to help get rid of you know these kind of chronic viral infections. Just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast. Now, if you enjoy pushing the limits, if you get great value out of it we would love you to come and join our patron membership program we've been doing this now for five and a half years and we need your help to keep it on air it's been a public service free for everybody and we want to keep it that way but to do that we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out so if you're interested in becoming a patron for pushing the limits podcast then check out everything on patron.lisatamati.com that's p-a-t-r-o-n dot lisatamati.com we have two patron levels to choose from you can do it for as little as seven dollars a month new zealand or fifteen dollars a month if you really want to support us so we we are grateful if you do there are so many membership benefits you're going to get if you join us everything from workbooks for all the podcasts the strength guide for runners uh, the power to vote on future episodes uh, webinars that we're going to be holding all of my documentaries and much much more so check out all the details patron.lisatamati.com and thanks very much for joining us Wow. You know, so, 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 you know, and why is that happening? Well, if my immune system is always having to keep this virus in check. It, 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 it just can't function normally. So now I'm starting to deplete my lymphocytic you know, population, my lymphocytes, you know, my, so my innate immune system becomes taxed. You know, one of the first, you know, one of the things we always follow in our patients is the ratio of neutrophils to lymphocytes. Yes. Because when that ratio, and you and I have talked about this, when that ratio starts to change, 
So the goal is always to have a relatively equal number of neutrophils and lymphocytes. Because that's mm-hmm. neutrophils, think of them as your chronic inflammatory and lymphocytes are your innate immune system. Yeah. When my innate, innate immune system starts to become taxed and not functioning well, then you'll start to see the lymphocyte count drop and drop and drop and drop. And that means now I don't have the immune surveillance to get rid of these cells that are, you know, basically like little wow. invaders. Okay. And, so that's, and, oh, and that's viruses just, like Epstein-Barr do that dramatically. You know, my son got, got he actually got Epstein-Barr and COVID at the same time. Oh, and his oh, white yeah. count literally went down to a normal white count would be somewhere like four to seven. You know, his, his white count went down to 0. 0.8. I mean, his, his T lymphocyte count went down to 0. 0.8. Mm. You know, that's what HIV does, right? It depletes your lymphocyte count. So, so now think about what's happening. If my immune system can always is fighting off cancer cells, getting, you know, it's basically, you know, the macrophages see the cancer cells as invaders, they get rid of them. But if I don't have that, so now I've got chronic EBV, the cancer cells can take over. So, so I think it's a, it's a, it's a underappreciated how much these viruses Who's are playing a role in our long this? haul. Wow. Yeah. Of cancer in HIV. But we've linked them to even dementias, right? Wow. So herpes simplex virus, um, we've seen very high levels of HSV, viral titers in people. So how many people have had, you know, cold sores, oh, right? Go so, on right now. <laughs> HSV-1. Well, that latent virus is also attached to your immune system. We know there's a link between the you know, herpes simplex virus, particularly uh, type 6, that's linked very much to Alzheimer's dementia oh, because the same thanks. thing, you know. So, so, so these so, you know, antiviral... Um, so some of these basic. antivirals, you know, right, maybe actually something that we should be, you know, getting a little bit more aggressive at looking at. Should we be looking in our patients, you know, in, in these aging labs we're doing, should we be running these, you know, viral titers on them and seeing, you know, what what sort of latent viruses are sitting there, oh, actually, you know, setting yeah. themselves up for harm, I wanted, right? I want to do that because I've had different, I've had shingles and I've got the herpes yeah. virus. I've had glandular fever, so Epstein-Barr virus, uh, yeah. you know, uh, is yeah. all sitting there, you know, waiting to kick off. <laughs> and that's where you know, so simple lab, you know, that you that your listeners can can look at their their simple CBC, their simply complete blood count, and if that lymphocyte count's dropping, like now you've got you know seventy percent neutrophils and twenty percent lymphocytes, your immune system is not doing well. Wow! And there's something that's taxing your immune system. It's a super simple parameter to follow that tells you that mm, you know, and and doctors don't even look at that, but. It's really important that that lymphocyte count stays up because that means your innate immune system, mm-hmm. which is the one that's going to fight off everything, is is still healthy. And, you know, most people it doesn't stay healthy. Most people, as we age, the innate immune system gets. You know, so we need stuff. to. Yeah. So, and on that point, that, that brings us to um, peptides a little bit because um, uh, we're using, you know, under your guidance, um, a couple of different peptides with mum, which we're still waiting for. But anyway, the thymus and alpha one. Um, yeah. is a peptide, a naturally occurring peptide. So peptides, just for people who don't know, can you can you give us a brief what the heck a peptide is? Because most no doctors that I've spoken right. to in New Zealand know what the hell a peptide is, let alone how to get so it. Peptides are basically it. small proteins in a sense. So a protein is it's a chain of amino acids, and they can be two amino acids put together, but they're somewhere between two and 50 amino acids. So all they are is amino acid chains that make instead of a protein, which is a big amino acid change, that they are smaller chains. So less than 50 is a peptide, more than 50 is a, hor- is a, 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 a protein. protein. Yeah. And there's there's peptide hormones and there's you know neuropeptides. They have, they have all sorts of different things that they do in our body. So our body makes thousands of peptides. And then there's there's synthetic peptides that have been developed to do certain things as well. So not all of our peptides that we utilize are natural to our body, but a fair number are. Mm-hmm. And thymus alpha-1 is one that is natural to our body. 
So when we're young, when we're born, we have giant thymus glands. So our thymus mm-hmm. glands, a big old huge gland in our chest. And it's huge when we're babies. It's huge. It takes up half our chest. Wow. And then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. It's at its best at puberty. And after puberty, the thymus gland starts to shrink. So your immune system is really at its best around puberty. And after that, it actually, you know, and wow. the key is that the thymus gland makes these peptides, one called, you know, these what we call thymic peptides. And one is, is the thymalcin or thymosin alpha one. And thymosin alpha one sort of tells your team lymphocytes in a sense what to do. So your bone marrow makes these, these team lymphocytes and, and it's going to educate them. I always sort of think of it like camp for your lymphocytes. So it's going to educate them on, what to, on what to do, right? Fight this virus. Don't attack herself. Don't, you know, don't. So, so, so they're the, the link between, you know, autoimmune disease, and, you know, and fighting viruses. Wow. So as the thymus gland shrinks and, and by the time you're, you know, your mom's age, it's peanut size, even mm-hmm. at my age, you know, it's tiny, tiny. And so you don't have the thymic peptides. So now my innate immune system is a little more on its own. You hope that some of it's been trained, but it's not as functional. And so basically, if you could give back what we had at puberty, yeah. And, and, and again, the thymus does other things too. It makes thymus and beta-4, which is a repair peptide. But for this, we want lots of thymus and alpha-1. So for our patients who have autoimmune diseases or cancers, we want to help the immune system as much as possible. We give them back what they're lacking, which is this thymus and alpha-1. Very, very safe. You could give massive doses. I mean, you could give, uh, you could, you know, bathe in it. You could give massive doses <laughs> if you could afford it. You know, yeah, but it's, it's very expensive. expensive. Yeah. It's actually utilized as a drug in a lot of countries called Zodaxin. In a lot of countries, they actually utilize it when they're ever patients are going through chemotherapy to help the immune system stay strong. Wow. And they also have used it as an adjunct for, for vaccines because one of the reasons vaccines don't work very don't, well when we get yeah. older is because our immune system is gone, right? No, anybody so gives the DAX and when they give a vaccine so that they can get an innate immune response, they can form antibodies, they can form that T cell memory. And, um, and so, so when patients are, are, are sick with cancer, we want to help that immune system, especially when they start doing things like chemotherapy, because chemotherapy really knocks down your immune system, right? Mm. So, you know, we want to support the immune system and, and and that way we keep the immune system healthy enough to help fight the cancer and while well, the chemotherapy is trying to kill off these cancer cells. And 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 yet it's a it's, it, as you know, it's not easy to get. No. Um, you know, it, it here it is a, a very extremely safe, right? And yet yep. it's expensive and hard to attain. And you know, and, and it's a and sub-Q injection, which, you know, it's, yeah, it's a sub-Q a lot injection, off, and you've so, got to you, learn, know. you know, but I've, um, I've yeah, been studying and I had Dr. William Seeds on and I've been studying peptides and, you know, it's a big area to, 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 to understand, but it's also extremely important to understand this. Yeah, it is and, because these are things, again, you've got to give back the body what it's lacking. And that's one of the places it's really lacking. And, and again, it, it's totally safe. There's almost nothing that you could do wrong with thymus and alpha one. Wow. Like I said, you could give it massive, massive, massive doses of, in, you know, in our people, some some of our patients who get very sick with viruses, for instance, we'll give them huge doses to help them survive the virus because they need that robust immune response. And and, and your the coronavirus, like I mean, and, you know, yeah, obviously, yeah, I mean, and, what any kind of virus, this, yeah, you know, yeah, but any <laughs> any, any <laughs> kind of virus, <laughs> any kind of virus, it's just good. Man. But you know, yeah, it could be really helpful. But again, it's you know, especially here in the U.S., really, really hard to get. Um, and as you know, and you know where you are as well, super hard to get. But it's a great adjunct for patients who are doing chemotherapy. And the sad thing is, in some countries, that's they just naturally do it along with chemotherapy. So, so for like your mom, when she starts going through, you know, and, and like I said, I'm never an advocate of saying don't, you know, don't do all the traditional approaches because I do think there's some value to mm-hmm. them. But we want to support the body along with it, mm-hmm. and so we definitely want 
want like thiamcin alpha one on board, um, and in and relatively high amounts depending on how the immune system is getting affected. So you follow things like what is happening to the lymphocytes. You know, we want to keep we want to keep the lymphocyte count going. Yeah, see, uh, this is one of the first things that alerted me to anything before even she had the mouth droop and the stuff that actually was pointed us towards the tumor. Um, there's a company called Vivu, uh, who I'm interviewing the CEO shortly. Um, and it's a stick that you wee on and it gives you your ketone bodies. It gives you pH. It gives you your kidney function, your liver function, and it gives you white blood cell count. That was the first thing, actually. Mum's white blood cell count came back bad, really bad. And that was the first, like, I, I didn't know, understand something, something. Right. You're like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then a, a few days later, we we saw the physical things. But a, that, that that early these these at home diagnostic tests that are starting to come on the market, um, is right? Exciting. The early signs of things, right? Yeah, that, that's what I said about like like you know I, I see patients all the time that you know that these neutral lymphocyte ratios, and I'm like, wow, your immune system is really you know screwed. We need to figure out what's going on and try and get that back in order. Um, you know, I just saw a patient who came to me because she's young, she's 60 something, and she has a kind of a rapidly progressive dementia. Um, wow. We got a, what's called a neuroquant quant brain scan on her. And we looked and, you know, like 90% loss of brain matter. I mean, it was bad. And Whoa. then you look at her immune stuff and something is really awry with her immune system too. So you have to go, as you put those things together, you're like, okay, there's maybe a viral influence or something else that's going on here that we have to tackle that, that, you know, that's kind of affecting brain, but affecting your immune system, which you know yeah. and so again and, and these are simple things to look at that it's not hard to look and see that your lymphocyte count has gone from 40 percent to 20 percent and like oh shit that's that's not good and this you know? is why doing you know regular blood tests right and, and being preemptive and being preventative is just so important and you, you go to your standard right, you catch, right. gp and they're like what do you want that for you know why do you want a blood or, test for or, or they don't like, they don't they you know so you know cbc is something every doc does every year but then they they don't look at it and say oh, well, this is a little yeah, this weird. this ratio is off. Uh, this ratio is off. They don't even look at that. You know, I you know, I don't think I was ever taught that in med school, what that ratio meant. And yet we know that, you know, for you know, for every point above 1.5 to 1, that your risk of dying get, goes up considerably. I mean, wow. you know, the, it's it's dramatic. Um, and, you know, and, and there's wow. other little signs, too, that things are going awry. For like instance, albumin. Or... Um, like albumin dropping, right. We know when the albumin starts dropping, that the, the, the body is in a, in a stressed state. You can predict people who are going to do do well with cancers, for instance, if you can get albumin levels high and you can maintain them, yep. they're going to do better. Yeah. So we know the albumin is another marker that, you know, the liver produces the albumin. And when the body's under stress state, it's, it, it doesn't it doesn't produce as much albumin. And, and that's that, a transporter, isn't it, for a lot of our it's, hormones? It's a transfer and, for, and exactly, exactly. Protein. To, you know, or, right. Yeah. And, 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 and docs don't look at that. They don't go, oh, my gosh, albumin is, you know, three. This is, doesn't bode well for even my drugs working very well for her, you know. So so we have to get the albumin levels up. So that's yeah. difficult, but you've got to work on that. And, that's and then things you can look at, too, is like hmm. look at the cell size. You and I have talked about this, too. So if you think about damaged cells, right? These cells that we, we, we kind of consider our, you know, our zombie cells, the damaged cells. The you know, with the yep. damage, the senescent cells, right? Well, because they're stuck in these, these just continuous cycles, <clears throat> they and they're spewing out all these proteins. They get bigger and bigger and bigger. So senescent cells are bigger than nice, young, healthy cells. So simply, you can look at things like the the size of the cells, which is wow. a, a basic six dollar blood test. Is looking at oh, the cell volume. 
and the red cell distribution width, you can look at those two things. And when, when, you know, the the red cell distribution width starts going up, you know, from above 12.3, for instance, the cells are getting bigger. Something's going wrong with my cells. Those are all just signs that things are going awry that nobody really pays any attention to. You know, I hate that people order labs and they never look at these. And and it's a six dollar test, right? You know, that you can. Have have you actually? Because you know, I'm I'm doing stuff in your your uh, BLI Academy that you have, where where people can come and join. By the way, and please do because the have you got that blood test. uh, course in there yet because I haven't um, I haven't um, yeah we're actually going to put uh, so one of our things we're going to do in um, January is we're going to put together a course that is actually going to be under you know like just yeah you know, you'll get blood, blood tests and they'll walk you through what do each of these numbers mean in your blood test right so people can actually just do their blood test and then we will walk you through yeah. okay if this number is above this this is what we need to look at this is what you need to do so that people can actually start interpreting that stuff so we actually had that course put together it was actually a live person course right when COVID hit. Yep. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, then, yeah. Uh, it unfortunately, oh, everything. So, so, so we're going to try and do that. that. Um, probably we'll do it both as a live course because we want people actually to maybe be able to draw the blood, but we'll also put it online so that people can kind of do it from other places as well. But that, that's because that's really critical stuff is to, is to look at those little tiny markers that just predict that even if something isn't wrong yet, if, you get an insult, then, you know, it's, it's, it's going to go wrong. Yep. That's why when you look at your mom with, yeah, developing lymphoma and, you know, and this EBV, you're like, well, you know, people don't think about EBV as a trigger to lymphoma, right? Yeah, right? yeah most know. people don't. Lots of people, people are asymptomatic from EBV. Mm. You get some mm. people who, you know, remember having mono vividly. I don't remember having mono. Maybe I had, maybe I didn't. Most people got exposed to mono, you know, but but nobody, and, and it becomes a, you know, it's funny to me. It's like, oh, it's mono. And nobody really thinks about the long-term ramifications. I mean, it scares me to death for my son who really yeah. had, he got hit hard, right? And yeah. I, I don't tell him, I don't Double. tell him this. I, I don't say, listen, yeah. you know, we got to really watch for lymphoma in you, but he's at a high risk. Yeah, yeah. You know, he has a, a 50% increased risk of developing lymphoma with age. Wow. But it happens and as we get older because our immune system has now been taxed for so long. So if we could say, okay, yes, you had this virus. Let's, you know, let's, Try and eradicate antibodies, but let's just give you keep your immune system healthy as long as we can, you know, until 150. You know, then hopefully that that doesn't ever become it doesn't impact us. Well, he's lucky to have you as a mom. (laughs) Yeah, that's all I can say. You won't even listen to to my podcast. (laughs) I know your own family. eh? They never ever. They have no idea how how, like what you do. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, will anybody watch my podcast? (laughs) It's kind of boring. Well, I do, and I love it, and I know a lot of my listeners do too, and uh, love what you're doing. Um, And it is having a massive impact. And one day your kids will wake up and go, "Oh, Mum was right. Mum's always right." Well, your sister's always right. Um, are you listening, brothers? Um, you know, it, it, it is unfortunately in your own family because they've heard you rabbit on about shit stuff for years. They just tune out, you know. Right. right. No, but then it, they do come funny, to you right? when, when the shit hits When the something's pain. wrong, right. When something's wrong, they, they're right, you know, you know yeah. Yeah. Mom, save uh, me or, now. You know, we get that all the time, exactly. But but uh, they're not going to listen before that, right? No. <laughs> um, I wanted to just talk a little bit about immune system because we, we are dealing with corona right around the world we've got new variants we've got bloody lockdowns we've got a lot of stresses and we've got everything going wrong um how can we naturally support our body 
so that if we are unfortunate or even if we're getting vaccines because we want to, like you said, Thymosin Alpha 1 helps support your body, create the antibodies and all of this. And, you know, I don't care which side of the vaccine debate you stand, um, both sides welcome on this podcast, you know, um, <laughs> because we just need to have open debate. That's all I'm asking. Open, honest, clear debate about these things and being able to just discuss. Science, right? Just science. Science, science, science would be nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> say no more. Um but what I want us to actually, what can we do naturally with our nutrition, our, our supplementation to support our bodies, whether we're having the vaccine or whether we're having the virus, the virus is hitting us? What can we do to prepare? You know, so so some stuff that, that, that I think a lot of people hear about, which is, you know, I, I, we know that vitamin D is just E and and. <laughs> Here's here's again where the science just keeps getting neglected. I was it was funny. I was giving a, a talk at the Dave Asprey Biohacking Conference, and wow, uh, yeah. And, and at our table, he had these little pins, you know, that were our vitamin D passport. Like, Here's your passports. I mean, you know, so instead of a vaccine passport, we had our vitamin D passports because uh, you know, honestly, the data really supports if your vitamin yeah. D levels are robust, your likelihood of getting sick is extremely small, or you know, or you know, and in fact, all the data and all the scientific evidence points that way. And yet we're not, we're still, people are still not giving enough vitamin D. So, you know, so, so you know, and honestly, almost everybody needs about 10,000 IUs of vitamin D wow. and usually taking it with K2 because it's going to get it intracellularly. Okay. And there are a small number of people who, you know, vitamin D requires a binding protein to get mm -hmm. it from the serum into the cell. And you and I talked about this before is that there are a small number of people who you'll, you'll, you'll get their serum levels and they'll be super high and the docs will freak, freak out. When we do testing, we look at intracellular levels too. And there's these people with very, very high serum levels, but their intracellular levels are low because they, they don't have enough of this binding protein to carry the vitamin D into the cell. The transporter, so yeah, the GC. The, the transport protein, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's where there are some people who really, honestly, you can't, it's not a really a great substitute from sunlight, but the downside yeah, being the sunlight is, you know, is, is, is that people you know, get wrinkles and you burn and, you know, that, and that can be an issue. I mean, you've got pretty dark skin. I've got pretty dark yeah. skin. We're a little bit protected, but you know, you have those pale people, they get in the sun, they immediately burn. How are they going to get, you know, vitamin D oh, absorbed? Indeed. But, you know, but you can use, you know, there, there's, there's lamps, you, you know, certain wavelengths of lamps that will give you vitamin D absorption that you people can utilize for an hour a day. And, and, and so, the, so there's other things you can do. I would say everybody needs 10,000 IUs of vitamin D taking it with some K2 is ideal. And they make a lot of supplements that have the two, but together just because you'll get more carried into the cell that way. Right. Um, and then, and then if you can get sunlight exposure, um, get some sunlight exposure. It's, you know, it, even if it's just a, a, a little bit during the daytime hours, yeah. um, you know, harder as it gets winter here, it's summer for you guys getting, getting towards summer now for you guys, but you know, we're getting. Is it why they have more colds in the flu in the winter? Because there's less yeah. sunlight. Yeah, it, yeah, definitely. Okay. You know, it, wow. people, also, so it's because we're inside. It's a lot of it has to do with you look at vitamin D levels in the sun, in the winter and they go way down. So it is really a key. Um, and, and I can't emphasize it enough. If you are not taking vitamin D during this COVID world, that is just <sighs> dumb. It's just okay. dumb. Okay. So what, what is no, it actually People get really do? scared. Yep. You know, um, so vitamin D actually upregulates one of our antimicrobial peptides. So we, again, we talk about peptides. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a peptide that our body makes called right. LL37. Right. LL37 is a really good antimicrobial peptide. It helps us to fight off infections. So whether that be wounds or you know viral infections, but our own antimicrobial peptide system is really, and so vitamin D 
actually upregulate some of our antimicrobial peptides. So, so, so it's actually, you know, instead of buying expensive LL37, um, you can actually take more vitamin D and upregulate your own LL37. So, so that's one of the ways it really is, is extremely helpful. And LL37 is, is a great antiviral agent too. We, so we use that in, in, in a lot of viral illnesses. So when you talk about ways to eradicate some of these viruses, LL37 is a way, well, not everybody can get LL37. So Take some vitamin D, make a little bit more of your own, right? So, so that's so you know, and and there's been a huge fear about taking too much vitamin D because it's like, oh, it's fat soluble, you can take too much. Literally, Lisa, the studies have shown that you need to be taking massive amounts to be ever become toxic. So at ten thousand, nobody is going to become toxic. You really honestly don't have to worry about it. That's great because I I've been like on five thousand and I've now been you know a bit scared to go above that. No, there's nobody who's become toxic on ten thousand. You know, it probably takes at least fifty thousand IU's taken on a regular basis, and then a few people might become toxic, but it's pretty rare even at that. I had one patient ever become toxic, and she was taking literally. I think one drop was, you know, it was supposed to be one drop was five thousand IU's, and this whatever this vitamin D yeah. supplement she bought in was a liquid, and I she was doing it like all. five dropperfuls a day. You know, she's like, oh, oh I thought God. like she thought like one dropperful was a thousand, and so she was doing like oh, five, you know five. So she was probably doing like I don't know five hundred thousand IU's a day, and, oh, and even then, once you know she she started getting nauseous, and we checked her levels, and they were high, and we stopped it, and she was fine. But yeah. you know. Um, so, so, so don't be afraid be of that. And there seems to be you know? um, that toxins or something in the environment. I don't think we know really, but um, there seems to be a less conversion, like right. something that's stopping us. Well, part of it's we're just not in the sun. We're, yeah, it too. We're inside all the time, right? And then if we're in the sun, we're all wearing our sunblock because we're now we're you know, yeah, yeah. Been, yeah. We, we were so afraid of wrinkles and skin cancer, so we're all wearing sunblock, which blocks the vitamin D absorption a bit. So. Um, so, you yeah, know, so, so that's, so that's the problem because we, you know, yeah, it, it's tough. Um, especially anybody who's darker skin. So African-Americans, like people like myself, Mediterranean origin, you tend to have lower vitamin D levels because if you think about it, you were designed to be, to be in the sun, in the all, sun all the time, right? My so your body did not have to be yep. super efficient to absorbing vitamin D because you spent all day in the sun. And yep. so you got plenty of it. So, so now that we're not sitting out in the sun all day, we weren't, we weren't meant to be inside people. We were meant to be in the sun. People from Norwegian ancestries, things like that, their bodies got a little more efficient because they weren't in the sun all the time. So they got, you know, they don't need nearly as much sun to get it. Right. So if you're a darker skinned person, your likelihood of having low levels is much higher, yep. especially yep. your African-American population. They'll come in with, you know, I want a vitamin D level above 70 and they'll come in with vitamin D level of six. I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and we do this in our DNA testing is vitamin D, you know, you transported genes. And right. The, right. Exactly. And, so you can look at that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, really I know so, you, so, you know, people who, who then, then are, you know, you're going to either need more or you're going to not be able to get it orally. So those are the people too, where sometimes you have to stay out, you know, get out of the genetics sun. and say you need yep. Get from Sun, yeah, 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 um, and 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 there was a few other things. Um, there was uh, zinc, which is another easy, right. cheap thing to do. Everybody, yeah. why, why is that know, important? You know, so so you know when you look at at at, at viruses in general, is they like you you know they, they utilize your zinc, they deplete your zinc, so they utilize the zinc for viral replications. One of the things, one of the reasons you lose your taste and smell with COVID. So, you know, what is the first sign of zinc deficiency? It's loss of taste and smell. Mm. Um, so you know you can you can. You can kind of mm-hmm. test zinc def- if somebody's zinc deficient by doing a smell test on them because people have low zinc levels will have much not nearly as good sense of smell or taste. So you can actually do that to look look for people who are somewhat depleted in zinc. 
But if you guys have noticed that, like, you know, you're not smelling as well as somebody else, or you can't taste as well as your friend, it may well be a zinc deficiency. But the virus really utilizes zinc, especially this you know, COVID virus. So, so that may be one of the reasons we see, the, you know, the, the loss of taste and smell associated with COVID. So, so we know that zinc is, you know, by having higher levels of zinc, that, that that's that that's going to, you know, to help support us. Um, and, and you overdo and zinc, like you know, like you, you can, and mostly it has to do with keeping a zinc copper ratio. Yeah. So buy really one with a zinc right? copper ratio in it. Right. So you want a, about a one to one zinc one copper one. ratio. Mm. So when you when people are taking lots of zinc and they don't have as much copper, because most of us don't take as much mm. copper, right? You're no. not taking copper supplements very much. Everybody's taking tons of zinc now because they know it's it's antiviral, but um, but not copper. If that ratio gets off too much, people will actually start getting weird neurologic things. They'll almost look MS-like. They'll start getting weird numbness and tingling, things wow. like that. And that's and that's getting that ratio off. So, you know, copper also can become toxic. You don't want to take too much copper. But if you're taking a lot of zinc, you might want to add a little two milligrams of copper you know, to, to yeah. keep it balanced, right? Um, or what I really like, I love buying like, you know, you can buy copper peptide creams, face creams, right? Because mm -hmm. copper peptides are so good for your skin. Yep. GHK copper is, helps, calm, peptide you know, for collagen. Yeah. It's another peptide, right? GHK copper, and you can inject it, but you can also just use it as a topical skin agent. And it gets in. And it, yeah, and, and it's great wow. for wrinkles and it's great for skin integrity. And um, and so, you know, Lorraine Picard, who's this 90-some-year-old, you know, guy who really d discovered GHK Copper. If you can ever get him on your show, he's kind of delightful. Wow. Um, <laughs> but he, you know, so he's, he's a guy who's investigated all about GHK Copper. He has an entire site called ReverseSkinAging.com that has, actually has tons of these creams that are great not horribly expensive face creams. Well, if you use this copper peptide cream on your skin and on your face, you're going to get a nice little absorption of copper too, along with helping age spots and wrinkles and, wow. and collagen integrity. So it's kind of a nice little way to keep copper levels up, not get too much, not get nauseous from it and still get some good you know, benefits from it. Wow. So yeah, see that, so that's where you can, you can sort of kind of overdo the zinc. Yeah. Uh, so know. it's just that, that ratio. In, yeah, in, that in, ratio is important. Quercetin helps get zinc into the cell too, doesn't it? So quercetin yeah, quercetin, is quite a good yep. one. Yeah, quercetin's yep. good too as well. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Quercetin has a and, lot of other benefits, and quercetin's useful in you know your cancer journey too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I'm know. finding in my research in this deep dive into cancer that I hadn't actually been in in this area before is that everything that <laughs> everything that's uh, you know, there's there's you know resveratrol and quercetin and you know all these things are actually good for cancer as well as for the viruses stuff yeah i mean of course, of course it actually works on that glucose transport too right so it's blocking some of that glucose transport so oh, right. you know, that's that's really why it's kind of helpful in cancer cells is it's, it's blocking that glut one receptor so it's it's keeping the glucose out of the cells a bit so wow. that's where it's really advantageous and you know for the cancer cells my god um, you know so much off the top of your head wow <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then you know there are drugs too like ivermectin and stuff that also help the zinc get into the cell and I think that's one yep. of the, the methodologies why that yeah. that works. Um, there was one called honokiol. I don't know if that's yeah, what you say. Yeah, yeah, that big magnolia um, bark extract that's yep, also good yep. for cancer. And magnolia officinalis, right? Um, yeah. you know honokiol is actually really interesting. You know, also known as Relora. Um, yep. Is is basically you know made from magnolia fish now. It's kind of a, an amazing immune modulating agent. Don't ask me exactly the mechanism because I'm not sure I can really really 
that Off deep dive into yes. that. But but it, it, we know it has great antiviral properties. It's also a great thing for adrenal function too. So it's it's you know we use it a lot just to help people who are stressed and you know like wow. have them take a little red laura at night because it's super mm. it sort of settles down cortisol. Um, but it also has some really interesting antiviral properties as well. So it's something that has some again dual benefits. Sort of you know in this kind of stress world, take a little bit of red laura before you go to bed. You'll sleep better. Your cortisol levels will be better. Your adrenal glands will be protected and and you're also fighting against covid wow. um so you know so so those you know and then then there's things like like zeolites um you know i, I don't know how familiar you are with you know using zeolites which, no i'm about to get some today <laughs> yeah zeolites are and they're great for cancer too right yeah but the way they work in viruses zeolites are when basically simplistically when volcanic ash kind of hits water it forms this this negatively charged sort of cage-like structure and, and they're used a lot in like dentistry to, for mercury toxicity. So when, oh. when you're, you're when you're when your dentists um, take out your mercury fillings, mm. they're the really good dentists. Not not so good dentists, but when the good dentists are taking out mercury fillings, they'll put people on these zeolites because it'll it'll help detox the mercury out of your wow. system. Or if you're eating a lot of sushi, things like that, this is something you want to do because everybody who eats a lot of sushi has high mercury levels. Everybody, mm. and so. So you've got to detox mercury out. And so one of the problems with most of our detox agents is they're negatively charged and they bind all the positively charged things. So that gets rid of, unfortunately, good things like calcium and magnesium and all that yeah. good stuff that we need. So then you have to, you know, you have to replace all these things or people start having muscle cramps and kidney failure. And so zeolites, because they're these cages, the bigger things like calcium and magnesium and all these good positively charged things can't get into the cage. But what can get in is these um, these positively mercury. charged things like mercury, arsenic, you know, those kind of bad toxins. But also, wow. and viruses, you know, get into our system. They're they're not full viruses. They're actually parts of viruses, like mm -hmm. the spike protein. But they're parts of viruses. When they're still parts, they actually have this this again positive charge, and they're tiny enough that they so those parts get picked up by these little cages and get excreted. So in a viral infection, you can use the natural cellular defense to help get rid of the virus or so early on, if let's say you get the virus, right. And you don't even know. So people are using a little bit of natural cellular defense or there's a bunch of brands of activated zeolites to be careful with the brand. Cause they can also contain toxins if they're not well done. Right. Um, you know, but that's another thing that can be utilized, especially if you do start to get sick is then we'll have people do like, you know, 15 drops three times a day of these zeolites. They have some interesting anti-cancer properties as well, um, and and um, you can't have them, you can't do them when you're doing chemotherapy because oh. then, they, then they get rid of the toxin too, right? Oh, okay. Because chemotherapeutic agents are toxins, and so you don't you can't do them, but you can do them afterwards to number one help get rid of all the stuff that's still doing afterwards. damage that you don't want, right? Yep. Um, so there, so, so we use them a lot, but. but you can do them with some chemotherapy agents, but I tell my patients not to do them while they're doing while they're actively doing the chemotherapy because we want that toxic crap all over our body, unfortunately. Yeah, we want it to actually kill the, the cells, but without yeah, <laughs> right. the collateral damage. So yeah, when we, you know, with my mum's journey, we're probably gonna have to go down that route. So I'm gonna have to double check that each one of the things that I've got yeah. around. Is, I mean, and okay. the big thing there, again, a big thing is just the is honestly, Lisa, that's got we gotta keep her immune system healthy, especially at 80, mm. right? That we've got to have her immune system robust enough because you know, unfortunately what what people die from when they're doing this is infections right you know yeah. when you're trying to treat these lymphomas and leukemias is then the unfortunate people get infections because we're yeah. wiping out their bone marrow and you know yeah, the, 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 yeah. and 
<laughs> you know, like this is like, probably the hardest time of my life. You got bloody COVID on one yeah. side and you got <laughs> freaking cancer on the other. Yeah. <laughs> and you're trying to keep exactly, it on the right. <laughs> and you got lockdowns everywhere and you're going, you know, um, <laughs> hubby's going to yeah. lose his job and things like that too by the look of it. So it's just like, really? You know, like, come on, world. Yeah, you just got to keep, I know, you know, you just got to keep marching forward and doing your best. I know it's a really, yeah. Yeah, it's a hard time not to be depressed. And <laughs> this is yeah. where all the mental work uh, really, yeah, exactly. really pays off. I yeah, meditation. And, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, which, which is again huge for our immune system. You know, my, you know, I lost both my parents last year. My mom, um, my mom passed away in September, and my dad had had prostate cancer. But it's literally for twenty five years he's had. Wow, prostate, you he had kept him alive cancer. that long. And, and you know, and and prostate cancer is slow growing, and he was fine, right? Literally, and he was fine. Literally, then after my mom died in September. He got really sick and, you know, and felt horrible. And yeah. I took him in and literally his, his prostate specific antigen had, had gone from like a normal, like, a, I don't know, it was like three or four. It had gone to 2000. Wow. And that's where you look at, okay, what does the stress, this, I mean, he took care of my grief. mom dying, right? You know, yeah. and it wasn't even losing her. I think it was the, the stress taking care of her because it was three months of literally, you know, oh. she had more of that slow, tedious death of, you know, she fell, broke her pelvis, it was a nightmare. And he was the primary caretaker. So the stress is tremendous. I and mean, we yeah. helped him, but the stress is tremendous. And you can see what stress does to us yeah. and how it affects oh, our I think needs, that's why mum's right? got what she's got, you know, apart you know, from the Epstein yeah. virus. Yeah. We lost dad last year and it was hell. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, he was right. When you go, you go through those stressors, right? And that's what you have to watch as a caretaker and somebody is you, you, you know, because because our health gets so incredibly, and that's what you talk about trying to keep this mental game going. Because yeah. don't downplay how cancer loves that high cortisol and you know, and, and all these yeah, things, and, you know, and yeah. so you know, so you, so you have to just keep trying to keep in a mental place that's decent because that takes our toll. It's toll more than anything on our health. Yeah, we've got yeah. to, and this is a piece of the puzzle. I was talking to a lady yesterday who survived cancer and she said, don't neglect the mental side of it. You know, you're a hard-ass athlete, but you've got to, you know, address mum's spiritual and emotional mm-hmm. well-being as well. And my mum is just stoic. She's a stoic. Yeah. Like, right, right, right. right. Yep, uh, we'll just get on with that instead of I'm I'm at least very expressive. Like I bawl right. my eyes out, scream and yell. And yeah, yeah, go for yeah. Run. You know, yeah, uh, I get it out. Um, but you know, like I, I yeah, had sometimes those people who are internalizing everything. It's right. You, they're not reaching out for help. My dad too. My dad never reached out for help. And there was nothing ever that would, you know, he would have asked for or needed or, you know, it's like, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. Right. Yeah. yeah. Until but, I'm not. But he wasn't, right? he wasn't fine. <laughs> and and when you lose, you know, the, the cornerstone of your world, I think, you know, that, that course is just the, the, the grief and right. the, the care, the caregiver process. You know, I know yeah. what my body, like, like as an athlete going from like, my, I've been caring for my mom now for six years. <clears throat> on an everyday basis for six years right. um the, the the even though i'm extremely fit as far as the gym's concerned and things like that i cannot do what i used to do i cannot i haven't got the resilience there to go right, and run 100k right. or not right. not, not right. even 10 k's is, is a long right. one for me now because right. i i just don't have that those depths of resources and also yeah. the mental focus i haven't got it yeah, because and you have to respect that, so right? Worse. And you have to respect that that's you know you, that's not where you need to be right now, right? No. It, you, you know, and you need rest and recovery, and you need you, you know, and you need the, the the people around you who take care of you, and you need you know, and yeah. and, and you're right. I mean, you know, your mom never, yeah, she's she's not she's not going to ever ask for help. I mean, you you're always there for no. her, but no, but she's that's not uh, her but she's very stoic, <laughs> but she's so 
cooperative when she's not on dexamethasone. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's the reason I believe that she's still here. And, you know, she wants to live and she wants to fight and she's she's got that fire, quiet fight in nature. And, and yeah. I think that that's that's key to it. Dr. Elizabeth Hughes, you've been amazing today. Thank you so much on so many levels, like personal levels as well as for this podcast and well as the work. I really want everybody listening to this to go and join up for the BLI Academy. Can you yeah. tell them where to find that? And we'll put it in the Google, show notes. Yeah, just BLI.academy. Yep. And then you can sign up there. And, and like Lisa said, this is, our goal is to teach you guys because you're going to have to take control of your own health. You can't really rely on doctors to do it. And that's why you've got to keep watching Lisa and learning this stuff because you're going to have to learn it. If you're going to take control of your health and you're going to keep these diseases at bay, you've got to understand this stuff. So we're so our goal is to educate you the way we think doctors should be educated, but they don't do it. Um, mm. you know. And so we're going to rely on you guys to learn this stuff. And when I teach you based on scientific data, you know, I'm not, not, it's not none it's of it's not my really, opinions, yeah. that even disagrees with my opinions, but I'm going to give you the scientific evidence and then you, you can utilize that. And if you have to, if you have to defend it, like if you have to go to your oncologist and go, well, here's the science, you know, and that's what you need to do. And so we're going to give you the science. We're going to teach you how to look at your labs, how to, you know, what steps to take kind of the overall health. It's, I mean, it's fun. And we keep adding to it. And I, as I learn, I teach you guys, because this is honestly, you know, medicine is lagging. It takes 17 years for yep. things to get from discovery to medical practice. To and that's too late. Right. You know, so you've got, you've got to, you've got to know it. You've got to know what the latest now, right? is. You're right, the latest then, stuff is, right. And you have to yeah, fight yeah. For, for how to get it, how to find it, how yeah, to get it in the country, yeah. all of those things. And, yeah. and anyone else is also listening who is dealing with a um, a really difficult health journey, I have my mum officially under the care of Dr. Elizabeth Hewitt and the Boulder Longevity Academy and, or Institute. <laughs> and I, it's the best thing I've ever done is to have her under your care prior to this happening and now. Um, so I really encourage people to, uh, if you're facing a really, you know, you've got a really shitty situation, <laughs> make sure you get under the care of Dr. Elizabeth Youth and her team there who are also brilliant. The whole team is Yeah, brilliant. or if you guys, or if you are healthy and you're just like, oh, I want my labs looked at in this yeah. really intricate fashion. I want to know, you know, what is, you know, do I have some pending things? So, you know, even if you're super healthy, we'd love to see you and kind of walk you through these things to say, let's keep you there. Let's make sure you have things optimized. Because you know, I can say, you know, I, I feel great. I'm healthy, but there's a lot of little things that I find in my lab. I'm like, crap, you know, I'm not so healthy. And mm -hmm. as you and I know, Lisa, whenever, mm -hmm. when you're like us and you do everything right, and then you find things in your labs that you're like, damn, I'm not yeah, perfect. You still it really get shingles. sucks. But, but at least, we're not, right. Yeah, right. You, you know, it, it always pisses you off, but at least you know it's there and you can address it, you know. And, and it is a matter of keeping this going so that you right. don't just get suddenly, you know, right. wake up one day with, you know, right. and, and you still can't. Like, I mean, you're still. Right, exactly. Stuff, bad stuff can still happen, right? But bad then you've got the happen. best doctor to help you get out of the shit. And that's what we're doing with mum, <laughs> the cat with nine lives, I call her. So, Dr. Yes, thank you so much for your time yeah. today. I really, really love hey, you. Lise. I think you're amazing. Love you. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com. 